Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com mother. Hey, everybody, it's Sarah. Before we get to the show, I just want to encourage you to join our Noon Year No Limits Challenge. There's a 10K and a half marathon option. And we just found out this week that everybody who registers for the challenge gets a 24 pack of goo gels. When you add in that, plus the tube of noon you get, a pair of Belega socks, and some Highlands homeopathic samples, that brings the swag alone up to $50 in value. So we hope you'll join us and head on over to motherrunnerstore.com to find our No Limits Challenge links. And now on to the show. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. And my stomach is growling, but that's okay. What's going on in your life, Sarah? I, I didn't do the gorp before this. See, you did no. not. So and so you don't have to vacuum then at the end of the podcast yeah, either. Sorry. Yeah, no. So I had a, a, a update I wanted to share with the tribe. I uh, On the drive here, actually, my brother and I spoke to each other. And um, it was perfect timing. He, I, I'm not much for talking on the telephone. I particularly rarely talk on the telephone while I'm driving. Um, you know, hands-free, but um, he called me right as I was getting into the car, and so it was good timing. So anyway, my as um, I said a few episodes ago, I had, um, you know, a talk with my parents, who are both now 88, and about them being too old to live in their house, and we needed to, um, you know, get a get a solution. And so my brother and I have been talking about it, and so... I just booked our travel, Dimity, you and me, um, out to the East Coast to do our first promotion of Tales from Another Mother Runner, which we're very excited mm-hmm. about. And so we will end up in the tri-state New York area. And I grew up in Stanford, Connecticut, where my parents still live in their ancient house. Um, <laughs> ancient, uneven, and completely completely uh, treacherous house. And I was going to call it a death trap of a house, but then I thought that that probably wouldn't be the most PC thing to do, but now I just did it. So no, it is. Oh, I, I, I mean, I call it, I say it's a death trap in the most literal sense of that word. Yeah, um, yeah. So you are not saying anything I haven't said numerous times. So, um, so anyway, so my brother's name is Charles. So Charles and I talked and uh, I, cause I'm going to then spend the weekend at my parents' house and he, my brother's an attorney in Atlanta and who works just just tons of hours. He works most Saturdays. And so he um, really burns a candle at both ends, but he is taking the time to then go up and be in Connecticut at my parents' house at the same time as well. So he'll get in Thursday night and then we'll spend the weekend and we are going to hopefully take my mother to see a few facilities. And um, so I, so, and our sister, our older sister lives in um, about 30 minutes from our parents' house. And so she, my, you'll appreciate this, Dimity. My brother had given her a deadline of the end of the year to get some, um, you know, brochures, some materials about some um, options in, in that area. And she did not do it. And so, you know, as he said, she was dragging her feet on it. And um, that, so he gave her a deadline at the end of the month to get those and that, you know, she, because she was like, oh, I don't know if mom's even going to, she'll even look at them. And my brother's analogy was like, you know, a lot of people go into, to look at cars when they're thinking about buying a car, you know, they go into a car dealership. Not everybody buys a car that day. So there's nothing, nothing wrong with going to look at things. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. So anyway, so I think we will spend that Friday of that week, um, taking our mom to a couple places and, just having some uh, what I'm sure will be kind of painful conversations that weekend. So, you know, I'll have puffy eyes from crying, but. Um, sure. Well, no, but and wasn't your mom going to check in with your dad's doctors? Has she been able to do that? Uh, 
Um, so I don't know if they've gotten any, thank you for remembering. I don't think they've gotten any answers yet. And, and, you know, that's what I said to my brother that like, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know if my father will be here, if our father will be here, you know, in the spring or a year from now or two years from now. So I said, you know, I, I look at the obituaries in the New York times and there's men dying when they're 97 and 95 and, you know, so. I don't look them anywhere else, but only in the New York times. <laughs> they only die at 95 and 97 there in the were, New York times. But I mean, Everywhere there were, else. <laughs> you know, the average age of the median age of a, you know, life expectancy of a man in the U.S. might be, I don't know, uh, 78 or 82. But gosh, there's a lot of like famous architects and, you know, I, I don't know, uh, announcers from the NFL who live an awfully long time. So, sure, sure. so anyway, totally. so um, so, yeah, so, it, you know, it's it's um, it will be um, an interesting time. And, and what I said to my brother, I said that sometimes my mother will act as if she's entertaining an idea when really she's just letting you talk like that she has absolutely no intention of doing whatever scheme it is I'm proposing. So I just said to him, I said, I hope that she has at least a sliver of an open mind and an open heart in considering some alternatives. Wow. Yeah. So. Well, good for you. I'm glad I'm excited to hear the progress on that. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's one of those things that it's very painful to go through, but once you do it, the sense of relief will be so massive. Oh yeah. That's what I tell them, that that I think the idea of the decision-making and the moving and the getting settled in is so daunting, but the sense of relief is going to be so massive that, yes. that I, and I think they don't, re, I think my mother in particular doesn't realize how much of a burden she's under mm-hmm. and that it's only once that is gone, once that is taken off of her, that she's going to be like, wow, that was a really heavy backpack I was carrying around, you yeah. know, metaphorically speaking. So... Yes. She doesn't um, carry her dad up and down the stairs on her back. She, she does. You know, she would, she probably would. She is a, she is from hardy German stock and she grew up on a farm and worked very hard. And, uh, so I, I wouldn't put it past her, but no. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, but um, speaking of my mother, she's a fabulous cook and it leads right into uh, our two guests today. Um, we have, like I said, we have two guests. They are the two of the three founders of Athlete Food website, which is athletefood.com. It is Melissa Lasher, who is a mother of three. She's a writer, editor, and chef. Uh, she was editor of National Geographic and editor at National Geographic Adventure. And she um, lives in Nashville as a mom of three. And then also Rebecca Wassner, who is the mom of an almost two-year-old. She is a professional triathlete, just like her identical twin sister. Um, Beck is the three-time winner of the New York City Triathlon. And we're bringing the pair on because they are queens of knowing how to eat healthy and quickly, both for um as a parent and as an athlete. Um, but before we bring them on, we are going to take a quick word from our sponsor. We want to thank Audible.com for supporting another Mother Runner radio. Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. If you're going through serial podcast withdrawal, like I am, one audiobook you might enjoy is Blood Will Out, the true story of a murder, a mystery, and a masquerade by Walter Kern. And it's somewhat memoirish, somewhat... Um, murder mystery uh, trial scenes and it's just about Walter Kern's relationship with this guy who pretended to be a Rockefeller and it's just fascinating fascinating and it has so many tidbits in it that just really made me stop in my tracks while I was running so again that's blood will out and if you want to download this audiobook for free or another one of your choice go to audiblepodcast.com slash mother. Again, to get a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash mother. And now back to our show. Hey, Beck, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having us. And Melissa, we're glad to have you on too. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Good, good. So Beck, let's let's start with you. From the bio on your site, it seems that you've been an athlete all your life, but but yet you had an interesting entree into triathlons. So share with us, if you will, the story of how your twin sister's cancer spurred you to higher heights with sport. Yeah, so that's, uh, I have been an athlete my entire life. I started running in seventh grade competitively, and I didn't uh, I got to say, I did not like running at all um, <laughs> until I got to college. When I, I ran um, through high school, I got a scholarship to college. I had a great coach, and then I fell in love with running. My parents forced me into running as a kid, 
because I was very small and every, I played every other sport, but had no success in basketball, softball, the smallest one. But I got to running, I was a natural. So I um, was lucky enough to get a scholarship. And then after I uh, ran for four years at Mount St. Mary's, I uh, wanted to com- still run competitively. So I started doing marathons. Wow. And I got recruited for um, a running, I guess it would be kind of like the modern day, you know, what they have now with the running, um, elite running groups that are around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called Fila Discovery USA. And um, so I went and I ran as a professional with, I was not at the level of some of these other runners who were com- um, competing to win major marathons, but they brought me along and took me under their wing. And that was my first experience with a professional like um, athlete lifestyle. But meanwhile, I was uh, working at a large accounting firm um, and I was able to take some time off to join this group. But um, so I had, I was kind of at a crossroads of what do I do with my career? Do I want to be a CPA or do I want to be a professional athlete? Um, and then my sister, uh, my twin sister got Hodgkin's um, and that's a form of cancer. She had uh, stage two. So it was pretty, it was very, fairly serious and she had to have chemotherapy um, so at that point I really decided to go with what I wanted to do. And, um, I started leaning towards doing professional sports. Uh, marathoning was what I really loved doing, but it was in- making me injured. Mm-hmm. I got some pretty serious foot, foot injuries. The first time I had ever really been injured. Um, and so I thought, well, I grew up swimming. I know how to run. Why don't I try triathlon? So I just got a bike and found some people at the gym who kind of taught me what to do about the, with the biking parks. So it was a huge mystery to me. And then that's how I got into it. You're both pro triathletes now, you and your yes. sister. So what happened was, uh, while I was, <clears throat> I was getting into the whole sport of triathlon, Laurel was recovering from, uh, she made a full recovery from the Hodgkins, but she was very, very weak for several years. So I was off trying to be do this pro triathlon thing. And she was kind of at home, not really able to do anything. And I kept thinking in the back of my head, I know she is just as strong as I am. She was a great swimmer in college. She also ran, which she beat me. Um, She she used to (laughs) beat me regularly when we ran against each other in junior high. So I knew she had the natural talent. Um, So I was out competing in all these races and thinking she could be out here doing this too. So finally, when she was able to kind of regain enough strength to just run 20 minutes, I said, you could do this. You got to keep at it. So she uh, put her mind to it and she became a pro and she's, I hate to say this, but she's really starting to beat me now. (laughs) Uh, Spoken like a true twin. Uh (laughs) She's good at these long things. Um, Yes. Yes, she is good. She is. I read that she is the, um, only cancer survivor to win an Ironman. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. She did that over the summer. Uh, it was pretty amazing to watch. Yeah. What, what I did not race against her. She wrote, um, won the challenge Atlantic city. Wow. Good for her. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It was the first, uh, challenge is a race series and it was the first one they had in the U S okay. So Melissa, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Have you won well, an Ironman? No, I'm just kidding. We, we, yeah. Give really us a little bit of your... Give us a little bit of your background. Well, it's a little bit compared to Rebecca. It does sound like I sit on the sofa a little bit, but I have three kids, so I'd never do that. Um, And I, I am a former runner and because of injuries, I can't run, but I hike, swim, do Pilates and pretty much do most snow sports. Um, and usually I'm up for anything. So I, I keep really busy and, um, generally find a lot of crossover surprisingly between Laurel and Rebecca's lifestyle in terms of how to fuel it and my own, um, just in that there's, you're both really busy and we both work out at really weird times, um, sure. not at the ideal times. So we find a lot of overlap in how we approach things. And I ask a lot of questions and while I might not need as much as they do or as often as they do, usually they have a really good answer for me. So and I'm so curious, how connection. did you guys come to know each other? Just as a little bit more background. We're old friends. We lived in New York at the same time when we were in our 20s. So we've known each other for a while. Nice. Do you live in the same building or what? No. We, on your, I'll tell you, on your website, it says that, um, what was it, that Laurel and was sitting next to Melissa on a cross transatlantic flight or something like that, and you struck up a conversation? 
Gosh, yes. yes. So or is that fallacy? Did I, I, I was not <laughs> friends. I stole Melissa as a friend. So, <laughs> Good well, move. We're, Good. we're divided. I'm equal in my, you know, friendships. <laughs> I, I don't choose. But yeah, that that is really true. I mean, it's a little bit of a narrow perspective. But so my closest friend gr- growing up since I was about six months old went to school. This is so boring. I cannot believe I'm repeating this. But they, <laughs> boring. He went, to, he went to college with Laurel, and I met friends of Laurel's through him. They invited both of us to travel with them in Italy, you know, no kids, no husbands. And, um, before all of that. And so we were both flying over at the same time to meet them and ended up sitting next to each other on the flight. And we totally hit it off on this trip, would wake up and go running in the morning and just planned our whole day about what we were going to eat. And then the other two girls really just wanted to go out and drink and meet guys. (laughs) We were just like, not at all interested. You know, I just, um, we just wanted to see the city and eat and all that kind of thing. So we just completely bonded over that and just have been friends ever since. And I got to meet Beck through Laurel and just got really lucky in meeting them both. Nice. Well, I have to say that, Dim, it reminds me a little bit of the two of us. And it sounds like um, food kind of rules the lives of these ladies in terms of, like, enjoying eating, find, you know, finding where your next meal is going to be or what your next thing that pulls you out of an energy slump is going to yeah. be. That's kind Pretty of you more than me. It's more like, okay, Sarah's at Yelp while I'm, you know, at the expo selling and she's finding our next restaurant. I'm like, sure, wherever you want to go. Just no sushi. Um, but, okay, so, um, so either one of you guys can answer this. But um, – on athlete food, um, it says that the recipes can be simple without being poached chicken breasts and energy bars. How do you suggest mother runners approach cooking healthy, appealing meals that fuel their hardworking bodies? Beck, do you want to take this one or do you want me to start? How do you, um, want to you can start with it? this one. So we've talked about this a lot recently. Um, I have three kids, three young kids, six, four and 16 months. Um, and it's, you know, it's really busy and Beck has a daughter and she, triathlete training is a full-time job and, um, you know, so she's fitting everything in. And so I I think it takes a lot of strategy and a lot of realism. Um, the realism is realizing that you're going to have to put time in, but you don't have to do it every single night. Um, so I think for moms, when you're preparing family for your food, for your food, for your family, and I'm assuming that's what we're talking about here. I usually, is that what we're talking about here? Yes, it is. Okay. So I usually say, I'm going to do a full on meal, you know, stovetop fajitas, which are just on the website are really popular with my entire family. And so I made that this week. I did the beans. I did the Mexican rice. I did the chicken. I did the guac. I did it all. And we had that two nights. And then realistically, I'm not going to do that every single night. So one night will be pasta with, you know, pre-cooked, you know, pre essentially pre-cooked. I just sauce it, just have to throw it on the grill or a rotisserie chicken from the grocery store. One night will be frozen pizza and then I'll cook something another night, but it won't be a full on recipe. So I think there's a lot of reality that happens. And there's off, this is back. There's also a lot of squeezing in prep when you have time. So I'll come home from a workout and I'll be still sweaty, and, but I haven't crashed from my workout yet. I have still have the energy buzz going and I'll, cut up vegetables or whatever it is for the fajitas and put it in the fridge so that later when I have to face dinner, I've already done something. So there's a lot of this sort of fitting things in at weird times just to kind of have it all ready to go. Yeah, I have so to... you must you must take oh sorry sorry I interrupted you but you must take time then to to like a Sunday or whatever and plan it all out right or something like that. Uh, I was just uh, Beck I'm going to interlude go first yes, go ahead. and then I'm pass it back but I was just looking through some of our previous posts and notes and I think one thing that we try to do is we don't have a huge repertoire we just use similar ingredients in different ways. And I think this helps a lot, whether you plan or don't plan, because some weeks I'm great at planning, but if we have a really busy weekend, I face Monday with just like a deer in the headlights and just think, Oh my God, I have to feed everyone. And I think in those situations, like it really helps to think, Oh, I know everyone likes this. And even if I made it last week, I know exactly what I need to get at the grocery store. I know exactly how I'm going to do it and how much time it will take. So I've found that that helps a lot, both in terms of athlete food recipes um, and then also for our own, my own family. And I'll pass it back to Beck. Yeah, I was going to say, I do a lot of my planning and thinking during my warm-up and cool-down of my workouts. 
uh, when I am just trying to sort of get to the end of the run, like to run 10 more minutes easy or just get ready for the workout. Um, it gives me some time to sort of think about what I'm going to do if I have um, dinner planning, meal planning on my mind. Melissa, you kind of alluded to to this, that um, the, you know, kind of, and Becky, you were just talking about the, the meal planning. And I just feel sometimes that grocery shopping and meal planning is half the battle. So, Melissa, what are some key ingredients? You know, you've kind of alluded that you use some similar things over and over, but in different ways. So what are some key ingredients that are good to have on hand because they're easy to prepare and provide good energy? Well, there's really obvious things. Um, I'll frequently buy two pounds of chicken and cut it into small pieces, either for baked coconut chicken nuggets or fajitas. And that's, you know, I think a lot of people do that. One thing that we do athlete food does is we do a lot of spice mixes. And so in my pantry or my spice drawer, I have a all purpose seasoning that has cumin and spoke paprika and an, um, ancho chili spice mix I can use in bison chili or beef tacos or seasoned meat with, or do pretty much anything. So a lot of things like that, that add a lot of flavor to really simple foods. And those are things that really will take you five minutes. But when you're thinking about dinner, you could just pick up fish or tofu or chicken, whatever your kids will eat and your family will eat and put that spice on it. And all of a sudden you have something that's not just a plain piece of X. Yeah, I think that's I think that's definitely true because I think sometimes simple recipes have so little flavor. Yeah, because because then you then you look and, and it's like oh sweet like the recipe doesn't take up an entire page of the magazine or the entire you know I don't have to doesn't go down past the break in the screen of of my computer and it's like oh yeah I cook it and it's like mm, yeah it only had six ingredients and thus it has no flavor. Right. <laughs> Right. And that's, I mean, it's really intimidating, I think, to look at a really long list. Actually, Beck and I had this conversation yesterday because I sent a draft of a recipe for minestrone soup and Beck, she goes, there's two kinds of stocks in it. And like, you know, she was so, like, her, she was quivering. <laughs> like, I almost wanted to delete the email instantly. <laughs> it was just, and I, I, you know, I got really nervous. Like, wow, did I send this really complicated thing? And I'm like, but I streamlined it. I cut out half the ingredients. And I think, there's different kinds of recipes. There's the ones where shopping is half the battle. And once you get that done, you're kind of just dumping things in a pot and trying not to burn them. <laughs> you know? and, and that was the soup. And, and, you know, and then there's other recipes that are really simple, but the, the, you know, the like poaching eggs, I will confess, I cannot poach eggs. If I see something with poached eggs, I just turn the page. And right. we, <laughs> like, we definitely try to avoid things like that on athlete food. Like, I'll give you the baseline, which is right when we first started, before it became anything besides just something the three of us enjoyed doing, I sent out a recipe that involved putting a frying pan in the oven. And I got an email from Laurel that said, can you really do that? Can you put a frying pan in the oven? And I just, I use that as the sort of the baseline of, do I need to explain this more? So this is back to add to that. We do occasionally try to make those really difficult recipes because I'm so competitive that I think that if somebody else made it, well, why can't I make it? Right? So, there is a time for those. So then well, do, I, uh, do Beck and Beck to you and Laurel have like cookoffs because, you know, here you've been like admitting that she's a little bit faster triathlete. Like. Yeah, we try. Yes. I, I think I'm winning in that battle right now. Nice little smackdown. Uh-huh. Well, I, I have to say I was on your website before we, we um, got on this podcast with you and I was looking at it and the um, sweet potato lasagna recipe, which I know you, um, co-opted from uh, someone at the Food Network, um, yes. which you gave credit to. But I was looking at that. I'm like, oh, that looks really good. And then I'm thinking, and then I looked, and like the noodles are actually the sweet potatoes, which means yep. you've got to cut them really thinly. Like the directions were to like be able to see your shadow through it. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, so we avoided oh. that step. Um, you avoided that actually, step? Actually, um, my, my nanny for my baby was here uh, while we were doing that. She was still working. And um, Amy was taking a nap, I think. And so I was like, Oh, Hey, you want to help me with this step? So, uh, she did that step, but she did not cut them to that. They were, you could see through your, so you see through that. And you fired so her I on the spot. I had help with that step. <laughs> so that just, that felt a little too high maintenance for me. Yeah, and then I looked I mean, at, and then, and then the skill level on the recipe on the food network says intermediate. Now it's like, Oh, I'm not intermediate. <laughs> Tim yeah, still needs walk breaks while she cooks. Too. Yeah. So. Also then that would be something to use a mandolin and that that's, that's a device that I just will not go near. I'm just convinced that I'm going to slice the tip of my finger off. Yeah. I, I actually yeah. tried the mandolin with that. And oh, you it, did? It, was, it didn't produce 
uh, perfect circles. They were just little slivers. So oh. I put it back. I figured if, to, if I was going to get that perfect circle, my finger would be in there too. So <laughs> I, I put that back in the drawer. Also, a mandolin, I'm always convinced it would take up so much counter space. Like you could, yours fits in a drawer. Oh, it's a flat thing. Oh. I think I got it at TJ Maxx or something. Oh, nice. That's <laughs> yeah. a nice TJ Maxx find. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Oh, it works for most things, not sweet potatoes. Okay, good. and you have not lost the tip of your finger yet. I haven't. I not from that. Oh, every like every time they use one on Master Chef, I'm like, even the kids are like, no, don't use it. <laughs> Wait, not from that. Have you lost your finger tip on something? I have. For I'm cutting. Uh, I ha- we had a chive plant in our yard upstate, and I decided to. It was growing all over the place, growing wild. So I decided to cut it all off and chop it up and. During that chopping process, yes, I did lose part of my finger. Oh, my God. It, how crazy is it? But I it, have... it, it went back on, and so everything's fine. Oh, my gosh. I have, I have no... sewed back on? No, I just pressed it back on. And it was oh! But I had to um, swim in the... I had a Hudson River swim race three days later, so I was a little bit concerned. But I just wrapped it up and... Can oh, I just say, I have, I have never mentioned cutting off the tip of your finger to any other guest. And yet the one guest I mentioned to has done that. I love it. It's yeah. like, I feel like now I'm psychically bonded to you back. I somehow <laughs> instinctively knew that, that one of your fingertips had gone missing for a while. <laughs> um, so, okay. So another question for the, my thumb, actually. So. Oh, okay. So not a finger legit <laughs> by the true definition of it. Um, so another question for the two of you. Okay. So you, so you have a food blog and that we have to trust and figure that you've cooked some clunkers. So have there been some food fails that you've had to just compost after a, a bite or two? Oh, yes. So many. Um, <laughs> yeah. We were talking about, Mrs. Beck, we were talking about that just a yeah. few days ago because um, I had some sort of catastrophic Christmas dinner issue. (laughs) And so I don't know if I need to go into Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com dot com slash amr that's barkbox.com slash amr woof thanks to storyworth for supporting our podcast storyworth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other here's how it works purchase a storyworth subscription for someone you love and each week storyworth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life the person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a storyworth number After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted Storyworth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com slash AMR when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com slash AMR. I think I admit to this one, but um, yeah, my my Christmas dinner was... Uh, fail. Um, I was very distracted. I think what leads to these uh, dinner mishaps is being distracted. And if I have Amy, she's she's just about to turn two, so she's in the kitchen or something else is happening, then it usually leads to burning things. 
Um, I burned two of the appetizers, and then the turkey was raw. Oh, <laughs> rare, goodness. I could say. Rare. Wasn't even rare. rare. <laughs> um, and it was because I had a couple too many cooks in the kitchen. Plus, I was distracted, and I was trying to. I had a full schedule of workouts on Christmas Day. Oh my goodness! And I was trying to prepare the dinner, and I had my mother-in-law and everyone there. So yeah, I pretty much. Oh, need you... to, I need to make up that one in another day. Yeah, or you just need to you need to tap some of those cooks in the kitchen and put them to work. I think, yeah, they were busy babysitting and stuff. So, I, <laughs> but no, my husband is very into like he'll eat anything. But he was carving up the turkey and he was he had to, he was started. I could see him like kind of hiding it from everyone. <laughs> so that he, he quietly was like, I don't think so. <laughs> but, oh my goodness! Yeah. Wow. Wow. Did you have another entree to, you know, like... Um, well, the good thing is that I had really um, just killed it with the sides. So everybody was happy with... Everybody was full at the end of dinner. You didn't have like a ham that you could just whip out no, a spiral cut didn't. ham or something? Next time, my mom actually suggested that. <laughs> yeah. Just, just have a spiral <laughs> said, cut ham on hand. Next time, by the way, you can pick up one of these. Yeah. Just in case. How about you, Melissa? Have there been some things that just did not go past the oh yes yes there definitely are um I mean and similarly when I I will say mostly in similar situations as Beck just detailed um I have I have one recent one and I'll give you that one in a second and there's one I remember when my husband and I were just living together and he was on an overnight call schedule and I made this soup off pea stew and I was just so proud of it and I really just all the vegetables and the pesto and everything and I mean he'll eat pretty much anything I mean he's got an iron stomach and it was it looked like something out of the swamp thing it was <laughs> oh, um, no. I mean I, I don't even think we tasted it I mean maybe we did it was grim and slimy and green and so we ordered pizza and, um, but I just had one recently and I don't know what psychosis came over me but my husband travels a lot so I had all three kids and I decided we were going to use the steamer that a good friend of mine got me for the first time and we were going to make steam fish and vegetables and I I mean I should not I should have had chicken nuggets it was a bad idea but <laughs> it started out really fun and we were using it but I did not follow a recipe and I made this enormous mistake of putting soy sauce in the pan which while it was steaming the water evaporated and the bottom of the pan burned <laughs> and started smoking um, oh, and then everything overcooked and so I think I sent back and Laurel, a picture of the pan, and it just, it looked like an ashtray. Like, it was so horrible. And um, and it was so my fault. I mean, it, you know, you should never undertake a new cooking equipment project when you have three kids ages six and under under your care. Like, it was a bad, bad idea. Wasn't that written was on the directions idea. of the steamer? You know, it's one of the precautions. Yeah, they were in Chinese, and I just couldn't <laughs> translate. <laughs> really it was really just not my smartest it's such good intentions though healthy meal and I have a picture of my son using the steamer and it's so promising um but the outcome was not pretty so and have you been able to get the you know the uh, burnt on soy sauce off the pan or no yes it took a couple days but yes it, it got I cleaned it Oh, good. Yeah, we had a, uh, we were making some soup and I guess uh, my husband like wasn't watching it closely enough. I had to go pick the kids up or something from basketball practice. I'm like, oh, make sure you stir it and, you know, don't let it, you know, get beyond a simmer. And oh my goodness, we, the bottom of the Le Creuset <laughs> pan was just black. And uh, so he, you know, put all sorts of baking soda and in it with water and then let it like boil on the stove in the attempt to get the crud up from the bottom. And I mean... I don't know, a couple of weeks later, there's still little burnt bits that make their way into other meals. <laughs> still tasting them. Yes. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. It was rough. It was rough. Well, so what, so, um, Beck, what are some of your, um, favorite meals going as when you are doing long workouts or training for an Ironman or a marathon or something that, you know, requires long hours of training? Yeah, I definitely have um, a bunch of meals that I repeat and uh, save sort of for these long, um, my longer training days. Uh, and for races. Um, lately, I've been, I always have a sort of recovery meal in mind after I do a long workout. Like today, for example, I had to do three hours on the tread, on the trainer, not the treadmill, <laughs> three hours on the indoor bike trainer, which is pretty hard, long. Still a long time. <laughs> yes. And then right immediately into a, um, 30 minute treadmill run. So it's a long morning. And, um, uh, I have, I knew that I wanted to get something in right away afterwards because I wanted to come and 
not be completely tired to talk to you guys. So I always have a, a recovery meal in mind, and that today happened to be a um, smoothie with uh, like a. Oh, we have this on our websites. A lot of people really like it. It's a it's a green smoothie bowl. Mm. Um, and it's made with spinach and I added protein powder cause I needed the extra protein boost after my long workout. Um, but a banana, apple, very simple ingredients, nothing too weird. Um, and you blend it all up and then dump some granola on top and some fresh berries and it's a filling and hydrating meal. I also call that, that's what I, I also saved that one for my, um, my day after races. It's, I call it the race hangover cure because I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this the day after a race, you, you wake up and you feel like you're hungover. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's sort of like the day after, especially a long Ironman or half Ironman kind of race. Just that's the only thing I can think of comparing it to. And so I, um, as much as I want to go that down the street to the diner and get eggs and bacon, uh, I'll make the green salad bowl. Yes. Yeah, I've done that, and then I don't. I still still feel hungover after race yeah, hungover. Yeah, so the yeah. smoothie bowl is great because it has coconut water in it as well. So it's hydrating mm-hmm. and has calories and protein and everything. So that's kind of my go-to at the moment. Um, also for winter, um, soups are have been my um, training refueling uh, meal of choice because um, often smooth if I come back from a freezing run a smoothie is not really what I feel like mm-hmm. doing going into the free into the freezer and getting frozen berries out so um, I'll make ahead of time like on a Sunday or something some day that I have my for my free days are not always Sunday so mm-hmm. on the day where I have lighter training I'll make a pot of um, lentil soup that has a lot of protein in it so that I can feel uh, refuel with something warm and to warm myself back up. Nice. nice. What, and what about like the night before an Ironman? What are you eating? Or a um, I mean, I, yeah, I don't so, know how many Ironman listeners we have. Never know. Yeah. I mean, you never eat. know. This is true. Yeah, well, I've only done one Ironman, uh, so I can't really, but I've done halves and I've done okay. marathons. So, um, I am gluten-free. So what I've had to do, cause I travel to most of my races except for the New York city triathlon. So, um, I usually take food on the road with me because I know I can't always find gluten-free pasta and that would be my meal of choice. Okay. So, um, if I have, if I am lucky enough to stay in a place with a kitchen, I'll make myself just a very simple pasta and red sauce and with a little bit of chicken. Um, and if it's on the road, I'll try to find a, I usually Google whole, the nearest whole foods <laughs> or grocery store. Whole foods would be chop choice. Cause I know what they sell, um, and get a rotisserie chicken and pasta and red sauce and keep it pretty simple, but I always also have um, a chocolate bar or half a chocolate bar. I share it with my sister, um, the night before. (laughs) Um, and I also bring, so I have to bring a lot of food with me and I think about that. And usually my suitcases are, um, half gear, half food. <laughs> Cause if I don't, then I'll start, like I said, I went one race at the last race of our season this year. I thought, hey, you know what? I'm just going to forget the whole food thing and just see what I find. And oh boy. I was, I was pretty much starving by the end of the weekend. <laughs> oh, no. but, oh my gosh. So, and what other suggestions do you have for gluten-free gals? Cause we have a, a fair number of them listening. I know. Yeah, we, um, we have a lot of recipes, um, that are, use rice instead of pasta. I do a lot of rice salads um, or I'll add rice uh, or quinoa into a salad um, as sort of a topping Mm -hmm. and mix it up and have it um, like that. Um, I also, I do, I don't necessarily rely on the the grocery store products like bagels and cookies and things like that. I try to make those myself or not do a baked good. And we, we have these, um, on our website, these crispy bars. Um, I don't know exactly. I don't want to look it up right now, but, um, they're made with, uh, rice krispies and I think it's almond butter and it's an alternative to a rice krispie treat or mm-hmm. an energy bar that has gluten in it. Mm-hmm. So you can, we take that with us on bike rides. Um, so, and I also make, we also make a gluten-free carrot banana bread with chocolate chips mm. as a post-workout snack nice. or Melissa feeds that to her kids as muffins in the morning for breakfast. Nice. Nice. They sound tasty. Dimity, that reminds me of your, your pumpkin chocolate chip muffins. So it sounds exactly. like something you'd like. Yeah. Oh, that does sound good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, okay. So I admit that I am, um, a huge fan of steel cut oatmeal. So your, um, oats of the week column, I was loving that. Um, so what are some of the key components of a hearty workout fueling oatmeal other than, um, oats? 
<laughs> well, that we've um, we've lately been adding quinoa to the oats, so oh. you can do a mixture of quinoa and um, seal cut. And then you get a little bit more protein, a little more nutrients. And then the toppings are just endless. You can, as we have, I think, maybe like 50 different varieties. Wow. Um, seasonal. So you just, we usually just go with what's in the Hudson Valley where we, um, I live part-time. Apples are, the apples are amazing. So we have a lot of apple toppings or pears um, in the fall. And then um, in the summer, fresh blueberries. So there's, there's kind of just endless possibilities just the, the pictures. And always were... a, a nut or some kind of protein added in or, mm-hmm. or um, Greek yogurt, sorry, Greek yogurt on top. Yeah. The pictures were just, I don't know. It was just really hitting home with me. And I was thinking, oh, okay. And it was like, I don't know. I was looking at like four in the afternoon. I'm like, I'm going to go make some of this. It's like, okay, I can wait till breakfast. It's okay. <laughs> and, yeah, Did you make one, Sarah? <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring it on the road. Yeah, I think you, you just like, you can, well, I make some with, um, I make an oat mix when I go on the road. Uh, that has, I try to get something kind of up to elevate it above just raisins and the basic things that might be in oatmeal. So I'll get like dried blueberries and hemp seeds and something to make it a little more interesting if it's just instant oats. Yeah. I had a, um, the way I discovered still cut oats was one of my Hood to Coast teammates one year uh, made individual, like she made a big pot of them and then she put um, them into baggies, like cooked steel cut oats into baggies for each one of us. And so she kind of presented them to us, you know, like, I don't know, 530 in the morning of the second day of the thing. And we decided we we would like put them under our armpit or like stuff them down <laughs> on the shorts of our, you know, our shorts and just kind of get them warmed up. And oh, she had, you know, she had brown sugar and sliced almonds all in little baggies so that we could add our own little things. And I was like, man, if I think this is good, serve this way, it must be really good when you cook it at yeah, home. Yeah. Under the armpit. Right? <laughs> I know. I just say, yeah. <laughs> served out, you know, lukewarm from my pit, who's then I've been running 21 miles. <laughs> this is Melissa piping in. Um, yeah, the oats are really fun. Gosh, we have so much fun coming up with ideas. I would say one of the best ads, I think, is if you get a bag of bit like the large flake coconut, not the little teeny mm-hmm. shreds, mm-hmm. and you toast them in the oven, and then you keep a jar of that, and you top your oatmeal with that. Mm-hmm. I, it will transform your oatmeal experience if that is possible. <laughs> it really adds so much flavor and crunch. It's really delicious. And how Actually, long... you can add that to anything, and it'll really improve it. And how long do those, like, how long does that keep? You know, is that a 10-day thing? Oh, we... is it... you no, know, longer. We keep it for a week. It'll keep for weeks. Oh, wow. Um, and you don't have yeah, to keep it in the refrigerator? Even here in Nashville, no. I mean, Nashville's mm. super humid, and I'll mm-hmm. put it in a, one of those um, jars with the glass jars sure. with the clips, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, it'll keep for a super long time. Oh, that's, I, I adore coconut. So that was one of the ones that I saw. I think it was the maybe the Morning Glory one, or I don't know. There was one that had um, coconut on top, and that was really speaking to me. So yeah, yeah. Well, what speaks to me is sugar. Um, so uh, so I'm just curious. I mean, you kind of talked a little bit about the, your gluten free treats back, but what else? I mean, obviously, I feel like there's got to be some room for sweetness, right? Like, how do you deal with a sweet tooth? I get, especially, especially after a long workout, it sets in hard for me. Yes. I mean, there, you have to have rewards, I think. And I'm, I have a sweet tooth. I worked at a bakery for years. Um, it's called Amy's Bread here in New York. So, um, when I got, became gluten-free, it was incredibly difficult to sort of give up that walk down the street, pick up a cookie or a muffin. Um, but yeah, we do make room in our lives for sweet things. And I, like I said, I try to make something gluten-free. But um, our the I mentioned the carrot banana bread, mm-hmm. um, and that is that can be that will fix your sweet tooth. But it. Um, it is made with carrots um, in addition to the banana, so there's less sugar in it. The carrots sweeten it. Uh, Melissa, you can talk about it because you make it all the time. Yeah, I do. I Thanks. make the, I make them in loaves two at a time for my kids. Um, my oldest has to be out of the house really early for school, so it's really nice to just have that ready. Um, so I actually have taken Beck's recipe and changed it just a little bit. I use whole wheat flour, and I actually have lowered the sugar by half because I put in so many chocolate chips because my, <laughs> my kids love chocolate chips and my, everyone has one who lives on air and my middle one lives on air and she will eat like three pieces of it. And then I know for the rest of the day, I don't have to feed her anything. You know, I have to force feed her, but, um, so, so I don't worry if she eats that, but yeah, I, 
whole wheat flour uh, or whole wheat pastry flour and then lower the sugar and add chocolate chips to it. And it really does make a difference. You can slice them up and freeze the individual slices and just pull them out of your freezer and mm. have them feed them to your kids for breakfast, come in from a cold hike and have some with coffee or tea. And it's been one of the best adds to our repertoire this winter for sure. Mm, nice. But I would say I'll pipe in on the sugar aspect. I would say it re- one thing that we've done in general with athlete food is we don't, you know, we go, we go in for bacon, we go in for ice cream, we go in for meat, we go in for all sorts of stuff, but we try to use it really well. So when we go in for sugar, we'll also put other stuff in it. It's not that we're, you know, so rigid that you can't have some sugar, but we're going to throw sugar in with different kinds of seeds and coconut and um, flaxseed and oats and all these other things that are going to give you a sustained energy. So I think there's always this thought of, Oh, healthy eating. Oh, athletes, they don't eat a lot and they don't indulge, but we totally do. We just try not to have it be something that's going to cause us to crash afterwards. So we just keep adding stuff to it until we feel like it's, it's worth worthwhile. Like it's worthwhile energy. Sure. Nice. Nice. So, and, and Melissa, um, we love how you often show uh, on the site, um, show recipes for either mini meals to eat before a run or easy post-workout meals. So can you give a few examples of good mini meals and kind of, you all touched upon it, the importance of adding um, ingredients, you know, healthy ingredients to these types of meals. But Yeah, we were just talking about this the other day. Um, and this is really important, especially for moms who are runners or are working out at, say, 11 or one or, you know, just before or after a mealtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that's pretty that become integral in my weird time workouts is what we call the Wastner Twins Power Snack. And it's <laughs> one, one teaspoon, maybe a tablespoon of nut butter with toasted coconut, chocolate chips, and either honey or coconut oil or maple syrup. And it sounds like just whatever, but the the outcome is way more than the sum of its parts. It's really (laughs) satisfying and crunchy and it will get you through whatever you need to get through without giving you that queasy feeling in your stomach. Um, I think it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. I don't know. People might be surprised, but how many pro athletes will eat peanut butter from the jar with a spoon? So this this elevates that. This takes us that to a different level. You actually take it out of the jar and mix it up with other stuff. (laughs) You are so much better than everybody else. (laughs) It's very fancy. (laughs) Yes. It works. Um, so that's, that's a really great before one. And I rely on that even sometimes if I go for, if I have to wait for the weather to warm up or I'll have it after a hike before I have to go get my kids. So, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I just need like a jolt of calories, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't want to, you know, ruin dinner. And then afterwards I, we, we frequently go with smaller versions of meals. So a sandwich that's not a full on meal, right? An English muffin with goat cheese and honey and mm. maybe some, I don't know, Beck, what else would you put on that? Something like that. Yeah, we'll just have um, something. I mean, we, are, we have the opportunity to add a little more flavor to our post-workout meals. So we'll use, you know, dressings or whatever, it else, whatever the things are that we avoid before. Like when we, if we were to make, a, if I was to make a sandwich before a run, I would probably stick to cheese. And I have, uh, one of my favorites is fig jam and cheddar cheese on a bagel, mm. something that I'm not going to taste during the run. It's not going to come back to haunt me, but afterwards I may have like a more, you know, I may be able to go buy a salad with salad dressing on it or something like that. Um, Nice. I've been yeah. eating. I've been loving uh, ricotta cheese lately, and using that on like a whole wheat bagel with then a little bit of like strawberry jam or something like oh, that. That sounds good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that does yeah. sound so good. So hearing your your fig yeah. fig jam and cheddar cheese, I'm like, oh, there's another yeah. jam cheese yeah. you know thing, option. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're recording this at lunchtime here on the I'm on so the West Coast. I'm so <laughs> if I talk, I might just just like explode with hunger. So. Yeah, Another yeah. this is Melissa piping in. Another thing I think we do with a lot of our recipes to accommodate um, different times working out at different times of day is we'll defang a soup or another main dish. Like the fajita stovetop fajitas are not very spicy, so you could eat those mm. probably two hours before a run or before a hike and be okay. Whereas normal fajitas, you know, you're not going to want to do anything after you eat that. And we'll do that with soups too. We'll lower the garlic. We'll take out the spice. And I usually have like things like harissa powder and hot sauce and all that stuff around the house. So if we're having it for dinner, I can add it back in. 
That's clever. Well, girls, we are we are starving, so I think we need I to know, wrap we need to wrap this up. Now all of a sudden my peanut butter and jelly doesn't sound quite so good anymore. <laughs> what I had planned. I think I need to go make something with harissa sauce. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is lunchtime for you guys. It is, it is. So well Melissa and Beck, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, it was fun. Yeah, thank you for having us. I wish lunch could last forever. Make the whole day one big afternoon. So what are you gonna go eat? <laughs> oh my gosh, now I'm re- now I'm rethinking. I was I was I was feeling uh, very vindicated with that uh, with the ricotta and the jam. I felt like that I was really elevating cream cheese. You know, yeah, taking yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're you're eating like you know a pro triathlete. Oh so yeah, a pretty, tiny you know, pro triathlete. You know, <laughs> who's too small for any other sport. You know, we so relate. <laughs> Not. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I know. I made last night. I have to say, I'm proud of myself because uh-huh. I'm not. I am not a planner, and I'm not a chef, and I don't really enjoy either one. And uh, and um, Amelia had a basketball game at an away game from six to seven at mm. night, and I was like, we are going to come home, and what are we going to eat? And you know, usually my solution would be like stop at Chipotle or you mm-hmm. know, or hot dogs for them. And Grant and I just scrape up whatever we can find. And um, <laughs> so, uh, so I made a black bean soup in a crock pot. I mean, it wasn't anything special, but the fact oh, that it was like good. waiting for us and oh. like, you know warm uh, and and dark cold night it was really it was good the kids and then i made the kids pasta because of course we're still that's i mean that's the other thing i i know i talk about it all the time but i'm like oh yeah your kids are eating steamed fish and vegetables like you know your (laughs) four-year-old is eating steamed fish and vegetables i know even that struck me as a little like "Mm, yeah that wouldn't fly in our house but but you know um, i was thinking the soups sounded a little bit maybe to with what she was going to add to the soups i'm like oh yeah the davis kids wouldn't be into that so much um but your your Black bean soup sounds lovely. I'm cooking a um, crock pot recipe um, today for our dinner. It's um, a chana masala that is made with lentils, but then I add chickpeas to it. So it's a little bit more like a traditional chana masala, but it has some cut up sweet potatoes in it and some... sweet potatoes. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And uh... I do see potato, oh, potato. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the whole hearing mentality thing, right? No, you sent me that recipe before. I liked it. Uh, I, yeah. I we have, that. we had it on site. Yeah. So I'm excited that because it's funny that um, I forget which one, um, whether I think it was Melissa who said about how sometimes she worries about putting, you know, serving the same thing that she just served last week. And I get into that same thing where like, it's sort of like with clothes where it's like, oh, I can't wear that sweater again because I wore that, you know, last Tuesday or something. It's like, really, who's keeping track? So um, so I, I do love that chana masala recipe. And I realized the other day that the last, I felt like I cooked it recently, but I remembered I cooked it for book group. And so the family oh. didn't eat it. So I'm like, sweetness. So, <laughs> but the thing about crockpot stuff is you have to remember to put the stuff in, like, because you think, oh, that's, <laughs> you know, it's it's like, oh. Okay, okay, that's like the easiest way to cook. And you're like, but I have to remember to put the stuff in. But like, you have to remember to put the stuff in in enough time because I'm so conditioned to think, oh, it's 5.30, it's 6, it's 6.15, I'll start dinner. And you're hosed if you do that with well, yeah, but you have to remember to put it in at the proper time. Correct. I thought you meant just like actually Oh, no, 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 that you have to put... Yeah, typically you have to put it in a vessel to cook. (laughs) Right. So, so, yeah, no, so I um, grocery shopped yesterday morning and then put everything out and and just kind of lay it there so that I'll be like a reminder to be like, okay, it's two o'clock, you want to eat in four hours, put it in now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they, don't you have a warm feature on yours too, so you can even cook it earlier if you needed to, and just keep it on warm. I do, I do have it a, a warm feature, but that hadn't. I guess I worried maybe it would turn to like mush or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I but you know that's just another thing. Yeah. I kind of feel like it's a morning thing to do. Like I like getting it done in the morning. Oh my gosh, talk about a sense of accomplishment! My goodness, yeah. when the, you know, like, or I'll cook a on rare occasions I'll cook a chili. You know, at I don't know nine in the morning if I don't know do, for some reason and uh, then all the rest of the day I'm like I have this vague sense of, of glowing satisfaction and, and I'll be like oh why do I feel that way it's like oh yeah because dinner's already cooked <laughs> Cause I, cause I'm on top of something I'm on top of something today That's yeah, awesome. yeah yeah so well we hope you will like us on Facebook at run like a mother the book our websites we'll hope you'll visit them are anothermotherrunner.com and motherrunnerstore.com where remember you can sign up for our challenge there 
on Pinterest and Instagram. We're at The Mother Runner. Our books Run Like a Mother, Train Like a Mother, and Tales from Another Mother Runner are available on Amazon.com. And no matter what's fueling you, many happy miles to you. Eat all the things. (laughs) 